Hey folks, I'm Will Jarvis, CEO of ValueBase. Welcome to Assessment Matters, a podcast dedicated to exploring the world of mass appraisal. Whether you are a property appraiser, real estate professional, or just interested in the topic, this podcast will provide you with valuable insight and expert perspectives on the latest trends and developments in the field. Well, Luke, um, how are you doing this afternoon? How are things going, man? It's great to have you back on. Yeah, I'm good. I'm happy to be back. Uh, it was great last time and just good to, to get another episode in. But, uh, Absolutely. Otherwise, good. That's good, man. Well, Luke, do you mind giving just kind of um, a refresher, just your bio background and uh, uh, some things you're working on currently? Sure. Um, I mean, I re-listened to the episode we did a few months ago now, and I I picked up that we didn't even talk about me doing research or I mean, I talked about doing research from a government perspective, the oversight agency's perspective. But right. next to that, I'm working towards a PhD at Ulster University. So I'm looking at how we can combine multiple models um, to improve accuracy and explainability of the more modern approaches like AI approaches or even um, what mixed method approaches where we go eigenvector values and all that Um kind of extreme stuff for the for the real nerds but um yeah so that from that perspective i also do a lot of research uh, collaboration with other academics and other people from industry to see what we can do to improve on it i love it i love it can you talk about so the reason luke why we're having you on again is you released a paper recently in a journal about composite modeling um and i and I, i just want you to talk a little bit about what composite modeling is why it's interesting and why you wrote this paper all right, so um, well, the main thing is it's working towards the PhD. I will be publishing parts, bits and pieces of that um, of that PhD as I go along the way because I like the um, well the the length of writing a paper yeah. over writing a thesis any day of the week. But um, so the the main perspective on why this research is important is that we saw this kind of stalemate in academic publishing on model, models that everyone was writing papers where we would compare modeling approaches. Like somebody would use a gradient boosting machine. Somebody would go for a geographically weighted regression with all kinds of um, bells on it. And then the conclusion was they score very well, both of them, but we like this one better because so-and-so. And then what I was thinking, if every single one of those models is already good, then why are we picking one? Because we don't have to. It's like getting 10 assessors in a room and then saying, well, we like you best, so we're just going to go with your estimates now. Which is a bit limited, especially if you imagine that, well, if you take into account that AVMs don't actually have a loan or they uh, they don't get paid right. so there's no there's really no downside in just running them anyway if you have the data it's all based on your data anyway if you, if you have good input data the results will be good if you're a decent model if you have um, garbage data it will never be good it doesn't matter which well some models might be better better off with garbage data but almost all of them will fail um so coming from that perspective we basically have three stages in uh, how we deal with automated valuation models. So the first stage is basically what we've seen ever since World War II, and that's having one model which we are working on for weeks or months, and we're cranking the numbers, and then we get out that assess ro- assessment role, and we give it to the people. 
Yep. And it's been like that for decades now. But what we saw recently, especially some um, AVM vendors in the, in the Netherlands, they started selling AI values. They jumped that buzzword and they were just selling it straight to the municipalities. We have another value for you. And then municipalities went, well, lovely that we get a new value, but what do we do with it? Because right. you're never going to um, uphold it in court because it's unexplainable. Yes. The Dutch court system is a bit like show us the numbers and not really that advanced in the AI. And then the, there was this big question about how can you, can you combine two models to increase explainability? So my take on that question was published in what well, was published last year. And that's really how you would compare one model by the other. And we came up with a, with a nine situation framework and we basically state that if a model is good enough, then we can take the assessed value of that model as being an indicator for market value. Well, it's it's not different from a sale price or it's not different from your assessed value if it's produced right. by an assessor. Yes. So if you now have two indicators of market value and your assessed value, you could score them. And we yeah. made a nine situation framework, uh, which was a bit limited, but it fitted the question of the Dutch municipalities. In this paper, the one we're, well, I'm building up towards, right? There's a 12 situation framework. Um, it's a bit more exhaustive. So you could score basically every single one of your assessments, whether or not there's an indication of over-assessment. There's, there might be some under-assessment going on. There might be some ridiculous stuff going on where your sale price is really low, but your assessed values are way, are scoring way over. So you could score them. And then if the, Real estate ends up in the categories which you which you like, then you could well, you could put out the assessment rule. If it ends up in categories that you don't like, you know where to put your money, where to put your resources to fix right. them. So that's the main gist of it. Gotcha. So basically, what you're doing is you're taking all these different approaches, maybe tree based models, regression modeling, geographically weighted regression models, et cetera, et cetera, and you're kind of yes. scoring. You're getting different asset, appraised values from all of these, and then comparing them on all these different statistics to see which which is most valuable for a given class. Yeah, exactly. And then, um, well, it's that comparison that really counts. Like, how do the values of one AVM compare, line up to the other one? Um, so that's really the situation where you have two AVMs. Then this paper goes into, okay, well, what happens if we have three or 25 or even 75? I mean, right. it doesn't really matter anymore. You just want to get your final value because you want yes. to. So, I mean, back in what the 20th century, early 20th century, there was this guy um, and he wrote the theory of the Vox Populi, like the... Um, the, the, no, the knowledge of the masses, I, I believe that trans, that's oh, what it translates yes, yes. to. And it's basically saying like, we have crowds. a big jar, the wisdom of the crowds, yeah. Yes. So we have this big vase full of um, whatever candy. And if we have everybody guessing like how many sweets that, that are in that vase, we end up with like an almost, almost accurate result. It's basically yes. doing that or setting up for that. I just, I just used free papers because, well, you have to finish some, at some point. But yes. if you would have the time and you could set up like 75 models running right. on the same data, and if you have the time, you could actually do it right now because we have that many modeling approaches. Yeah. Then the same thing, theoretically at least, should happen in assessment. And then we would actually hit market value. But the problem with market value is that 
we don't really know where that is. Because even sale prices, they happen on the market, but they're not necessarily market value. And it's that whole contention that lays the foundation for this work. Definitely, definitely. It's like determining what's arm's length and not arm's length. That's the big kind. Yeah, so I mean, but there's never going to be a transaction that is like that would fit that definition because there's always some kind of pressure from the from outside, like time wise, or it's your job, your proximity to your office, or whatever. Right. Your 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 loan expires. Right. Could be, could be any single one of those things. So an actual transaction price on market value, well, they exist obviously with so many sales happening in a year. One must be market value. Right. But other ones are just indicators of where it might be. Right, right. No, this is really interesting. Look, well, can you help me define then, like, what is full market value exactly? Like, if you had to, like, you know, you know, I'm sure there's like a lot of academic debates about this. So I'd really be curious. Oh, yeah. How do you define <laughs> full market value? Well, I would stick with the uh, definition by the IVS, and I'm going to uh, paraphrase this probably incorrect, but it says that we have market value is the the price that would be of which a property would transfer on an open market where both parties have equal knowledge about the property and then there's no pressure whatsoever. So I it, it goes on for a while, but it's basically saying that um, if there's no outside outside things and no knowledge limitation, like, well, I know that power socket doesn't work, but you don't know it. Like If right. that's all equal, the price of which a property then would transfer that's your market value. And gotcha. I agree with that. But then also knowing that that definition is so well thought out that it will just never happen. Right. It's pretty rare. But uh, I'm assuming, uh, Luke, in, in situations where you have, you know, let's say like in big cities where properties or, or like high population density centers yes. you ha- where you have a lot of turnover, you have a lot of more competition. I'm assuming that it's more likely that a lot of the transactions are at fair market value. Is that correct? They might be, they might be, they might be. Um, but there also might be speculation going on because, especially in dense population center in no- yeah. Northern America or Western Europe, mm-hmm. those places are fairly safe, right? So real estate is always seen as this great investment where um, bricks don't decline in value, right? I mean, right, right. probably not the right translation, but that's the, like this beautiful saying that we got over here. Um, I I disagree with that. But then also yes. the investment, those markets, they will just keep on pressuring up. And then there's, there's always going to be unequal knowledge about properties. Right. And if I'm buying a property in New York City, I don't have the first clue to where I'm buying. I mean, right. I've, I've heard the places on television, but I wouldn't know where, where's, where's everything and what are the great places to live and which streets do you avoid? I don't know. Right, right. So that creates an unequal market in the first place. And we've, we see this on micro scales as well. Um, as I was just referring to that power socket, um, I believe it's in the movie Seven, the, the old one, right? The, the thriller, where yeah. they are in his apartment and there's this metro or subway going underneath his, his apartment and every, everything starts shaking. Yeah. And he references that his um, viewing, the apartment viewing was like, especially between 7 and 7.05 or whatever time yeah. he calls. Like, because the metro doesn't pass. Right, right, right. I mean, that's that thing about equal knowledge. Even if you have lived in a house for a year, then you, you don't know everything about it. Right, right. It's going to take you five or something. So you can't exactly. live in every single house five years. Exactly. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, well, Luke, I, I want to talk about the, the models you did use in the paper. 
yeah, you know, and, and personally, what do you see? Yeah, well, just first question: Which models did you use in the paper? All right, um, I picked three, and that's basically because we have well, we have four major families of valuation models, which are yeah. traditional ones, the MRAs and the direct comparisons. Yeah, these kind of models. Then we have the spatial models, which are the geographically weighted regression, your spatial spatial lag models, spatial yeah. error models, and then we have the well, the newer class, or um, I would say the more advanced class. That those are your AIs, your gradient boosting machines, your neural nets, and what we can find in there. And then the fourth family is basically saying whatever is left. That's the cross methods. So that could be a spatial AI AVM or I mean, we could go as crazy as we want with those things, um, especially yeah. with the advances in statistical computing. It's it's amazing what we can do. Right. Um, so I picked one out of each category and then left the last one because that's, well, could have done it, but there was really no necessity to do so. Um, then if you have those three models, by the way, I got a great data set on which they ran almost instantly. It was, that was awesome. Um, but yeah, if you have those, then what we did is we figured out ways to combine the forecasts. So what you would see a lot in like weather forecasting, that's where they combine multiple weather forecasting algorithms to see where the hurricane is going or where the temperature awesome. will flux towards. And we basically drew from that literature a lot. And so basically one, the first one is really, really easy. We have three. Uh, composition approaches, as we call them in the paper. And the first one is um, central tendency composition approaches, which basically saying, take the median or the mean or the weighted mean. Well, not even the weighted mean, That we'll get to that. But that's just saying, like, take a central tendency measure from your forecast and put that out as a result. And if we would um, go back to that wisdom of the crowds theory, it's basically right. just taking the, taking the mean. Right. As we know, statisticians and all that, the median, it's way less uh, influenced by outliers. So you might, mm -hmm. if, especially if you run like 75, you might want to go for, for the median instead of the mean. Um, with free AVMs, there's, I would go for the mean. Gotcha. Just to get that variation. And otherwise, yeah. it's just like, well, it's the middle value. Yeah. Um, then we have the second approach, which is the weighted composition approach. I have to look a bit, but that's basically saying we can weigh them on whatever score they run. So, for instance, um, from uh, industry modelers tend to use a mean average percentage error or the root mean squared error, these kind of measures, which they translate well across models. Um, BRBs, PRDs, they, they do not. Um, but what you can then do, you could just weight the assessments made by the models by comparing how well they performed in terms of MAPE or RMSE. And then that would be from a direct statistical measure, but we could also take that a little further and we could think about how uh, transparent they are, how explainable they are. And we could, for instance, say, well, this AI, it, it works beautifully, but it will never hold up in court. I'm just going to score that by 25% of the final estimate. So right. we're going to times that by 0.25 and then the other ones, well, whatever we want, right? So maybe yes. the G that we are, well, it's it's new, it's, it's explainable, but it's it feels a little awkward for the judge or the taxpayer or whoever we want to serve. And then we just right. score them at 75%. And then that traditional one, beautiful. 
the full score. And then we just add them together, divide them over. Like we take that weighted mean or median, or whatever we, yeah. whatever way we want to set them, set them up. And then we have one uh, final approach, which is, um, in my take, it's the it's it's not the most straightforward one, but it's the it's a fairly easy one, and it will set you up for when you go towards that seventy five utopia of modeling, where you have all those models working right. alongside each other, that beautiful society kind of thing. yeah. Um, you would basically say that all right, um, if the model scores within a certain range of some market indicator. Well, what we do is we basically create a new form of ratio. It's not really a new ratio. It's yeah. a form of ratio because we say, all right, the bandwidths, for instance, are 0.9 to 1.1. And yeah. if the, the next estimate, for instance, within a family or within a class of certain models, hits within that framework from the base model, which we can explain, which we know how it works, then we'll take into the account this, the um, estimation of that model. If it deviates totally, then why listen to it? It's the same, which we do with junior assessors. I mean, if they are off by a lot, then we said, well, right. maybe you should go back to school for a bit and then right. say you seriously. Exactly. But that's just basically saying, if that ratio is within those bandwidths, we scored one. If it's not, we scored zero. And people with an information theory or computer science background, they will immediately pick up like, all right, this is binary binary yes. in integers and that was a fun rabbit hole to dive into and uh, i encourage everybody to, to to read up on their on claude shannon that was uh yeah it, it's a it's a beautiful story about a brilliant brilliant mind and it it was really funny to dive in his work to see how he applied it to computers and then basically like without him we wouldn't have this conversation over the internet we should have been very close but applying that to the assessment industry and then in this very um, it's rudimentary kind of way that it it feels like we're two hundred years behind, but it's still funny to do, and it works. Apparently, it's it's easy and it works. It's explainable and that's beautiful. But if we have those zero and one scores, we could then set up the models. We could lay them out like a puzzle, like a tree structure or line structure or wedge structures, whatever we want, and then we could score those assessments and see which ones we do take into account, which ones we don't take to, into account. Yeah. And then we, really come, cool. we come up with that final um, estimated value, right? Yeah. Then comes the explainability part of it. So what we did in the paper is we scored them against the input um, automated valuation models in that 12-point framework. So you could see how they score against that. But um, that might need some... Uh, so a little more thinking to see how we could do that if we run 75 models, because comparing every estimate to 75 models, that's not fun. It's a lot. That's a lot. Right, right. That's a lot. But we'll see. <laughs> that's great. That's great. But did you find this this kind of approach of uh, this wisdom of crowds approach did give like better estimates at the end of the day? Um, I'd have to see how that works in a bit more uh, yeah. in more context. It worked here. Um, well, the thing is, you mediate the extremes. Yeah, it's it, that's what's going to happen anyway. Um, and I would say it leads to better estimates, but you got to make sure that your automated valuation models, your input AVMs, they must be, they yeah. must be of quality. You you are assuming that the estimates of those automated valuation models are correct, so you have to make sure that the inputs are up to standards. They are explainable enough. 
So you could also explain them to the taxpayer because imagine this, a judge asks you like, all right, we want to go, we want you to explain how you end up yes. with that value. And you go like, well, we use 75 models. The judge is going to want the explanation of every single one of them. Right. Whereas if you would have said to the judge, we have 75 appraisers in the room, and then we just took the approach of, well, we scored them on seniority or something, then we'd be like, right. all right, 75 assessors. That must be market value. Right. But the thing that we often forget um, is that like, the more advanced the model gets, the less explainable it is. And right. that's the main, uh, the main argument against AIs. But then if we listen to the brightest assessors, they're often not that good at communicating anyway. Right. It's the same thing. But if we mediate that, if the whole room agrees, then yeah, that smart man is still smart. If he's on his own and nobody understands him, well, we don't really buy their, assess their assessment. So it's the same thing, but then we just switch out the people for the models. And um, before the assessors listening to this podcast gets... Um, get anxious about their jobs. We still need every single one of you guys to improve those models and to reflect like how we view the market because data is not always telling us everything. And then exactly. um, there's a lot of local knowledge that we need to, for those models to work. Yes. Yes, there is. I look, my favorite example about this is in Alaska, uh, one of the big drivers of value is whether your property is on a pond or a lake. And you'd be like, what's the difference between a pond and a lake? It turns out you can right. land a float plane on a lake, but you can't land a float plane on a pond. So if you can't have land your float plane, you can't get to your house. So that's kind of a big deal. Uh, oh, but it's wow, just that's a beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful there's a lot example. of local knowledge like that that really matters at the end of the day. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I always go for this one example, which we saw in Moldova, working in Moldova with uh, Paul Bedanza. And yeah. we were looking at apartments. So we would increase them based on their story, right? higher yeah. up. Like everybody wants to live on a penthouse. Right. No exactly. upper neighbors, most beautiful view. And then the Moldovan assessors go like, mm, that's not true. You don't want to live on the top floor. You want to live on one down. Why, why did we want, would you want to live on one down? And they go like, yeah. well, energy loss. Oh yeah, of course. Ah, I mean, you just yeah. don't think about it. You see it in the data if you would look at it really long, but otherwise you would just think like, ah, something funny. It's still quite linear or just put right, that right. line through. Yeah. So it's always good to have that local knowledge and to see where the market really is. So yeah, local knowledge like rules the roost at the end of the day, especially in these kind of kind of applications. Definitely. Um, we could teach like the big stuff, but like the really hands-on local knowledge, that's it's always going to be local. Nice a lot, definitely. Um, Luke, I did have a question, and this is like a you don't have to answer this because you're you're testing all these algorithms. But do you have like a a personal favorite that you do think like performs better under world world constraints? Um, is it like the multiple regression stuff because it's more explainable or is it something else? Um, I'm a big advocate for the spatial models because they, well, they bank on the increased computing power that we have uh, in this day and age. Yeah. But then they also follow that very explainable traditional regression structure. I, I see. Mean, of course, bandwidths, kernels, that's, we often skip, uh, skip those in the story. They are quite hard to understand. Right. Though I think that's uh, one of the good trade-offs. But then also AI has been making progress that nobody would have imagined, not even five years ago. So I'm curious to see how that goes. That's great. That's great. I love that. Well, Luke, 
Thanks so much for taking the time today to go over the paper. Um, where can people find it? Where, if people want to read it, I know it's publicly available. It is publicly available, I believe, right? Is it uh, not? I don't. I don't believe it is. Um, I've, I'm sure it's on IWA website. Um, they gotcha. run a research library. Um, so the publication is a joint paper between the IWA and the International Property Tax Institute. Gotcha. Um, they will. They will have it. Certainly, it might be behind a paywall. I do, however, remain the right to share it. Great. So, um, email so Luke. if people are really interested, they can always send me, send me an email, shoot me a message, and I'll be happy to give them a copy. Great. Love that. Thanks so much, Luke. We really appreciate it. Happy to be here. Um, thank you for having me again. Thank you for listening to Assessment Matters. Come back next week for another episode. You can check out our website to find show notes, videos, transcripts, and more at valuebase.co slash podcast.